there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Welcome in to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. It's time to flock up. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans. Well, it was a weekend. Weather-wise, it was absolutely fantastic here in New Orleans. Unfortunately, on the court, Pelicans unable to get two wins on Friday and on Sunday. We'll discuss that coming up here shortly in detail and in depth and the ramifications of what took place back on Friday. Jim Eichenhofer of Pelicans.com. Last night, 114-106 was the final as the team had a 12-point lead late in the third quarter. Then Chicago goes on an 11-0 run. And Coach Willie Green on what happened there. It came down to, I thought that segment definitely swung the momentum a bit, but it came down to us. I mean, we turned the ball over, um, not giving ourselves an opportunity to come down and run a good offense there, getting out in transition, getting easy baskets, and then you know, we fought back into it and gave ourselves an opportunity at the end of the game and the same deal, those clutch situations, turnovers, missed free throws, offensive rebounds, and tonight we had all of those happen. Zion Williamson, who finished with 19 points, has his thoughts as to what he saw there. Just loose turnovers. Uh, I had a lot of turnovers early that I shouldn't have had. And then the loose turnovers is just miscommunication and they capitalized off of everyone. And so overall, the Pelicans go one and two in the short three-game homestand. Now go back out on the road as they take on New York tomorrow. That Nick team's been pretty good all season long. And then on a back-to-back, you're playing a pretty good Pacers team that beat Dallas pretty good last night. So we'll take a look at that in the rest of the Western Conference coming up 
here as well in the podcast as we've got a lot to discuss, so let's get going. All right, we welcome in now Jim Eichenhoff from theorleanspelicans.com. We have a lot to discuss here. I mean, I'm looking at your legal pad. It's one, two, three, four pages full of college rule notes that you took just from two games. But it's, it kind of does feel that way, huh? Huh, Jim? How are you today, man? I'm good, Gus. How are you? The weather was pretty. Did I tell you that the weather was beautiful? Yeah, it was the nice weekend? and warm was and nice. sunny. Yeah, it was a lot sunnier outside. It was beautiful. Than it Took the kid bike inside. riding in Audubon Park. It was just beautiful. Excellent. And, uh, I almost didn't show up yesterday. But no, <laughs> I, I had to. Look, you had two games that we have to discuss and a lot to get into. Just well, where do you want to start? You want to start Friday? Because I guess well, yeah, we'll let, do it in order. Let's start Friday because I feel like that was a big tone setter and set up really the way things were Sunday in terms of the rotation and the fact that you were shorthanded and the fact that you didn't have all of your ball handlers available. So yeah, Friday was a was an was an interesting one for sure. And obviously the the fight that happened in the the Friday fracas, I guess if we can call it that, ends up with Jose Alvarado suspended for 3 games, Najee Marshall suspended for the one game against Chicago. Uh CJ McCollum already was out with an ankle injury. He was ruled out before we found out about the suspensions. So you have a situation where multiple guys who are used to being the point guard and the, the guys that kind of get you into your offense and organize things are not available. Now, one of the things that I wanted to go back to that I thought was interesting from the Miami game, I'm not sure how many people saw this, and I didn't really want to tweet, tweet this because I didn't really want to be the snitch or the tattletale because, I mean, the game was over, the Pelicans lost, and there's nothing you can do about it. But there, someone showed me a clip where Bam Adebayo pushed a, a referee. Did you see this, Gus? At this point, I'm not surprised by a lot of different things that have taken place when it comes yeah. to what is seen or not seen. But it's not the first time I've seen, maybe it hadn't gone to altercations, but I've seen officials get grabbed or, or moved mm-hmm. or they're trying to break up, I guess, before it got to a fight. And I'm not even talking about that Friday game, but I've seen mm-hmm. in the past too where I, I thought any contact with an official was something of that nature. Do you think it was so heated at that moment too, that those officials probably don't know. I mean, there's bodies all over them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense, Jim? Where, I mean, they're bumping up, they're seeing people in there. Cause I did see when Jose was getting into it, all three officials are almost standing in a triangle Mm -hmm. at mid court. One was holding the ball and they just let it play out. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw that as well. Like the three officials removed themselves and they were almost at midcourt watching and letting the teams break it up, letting the team security, Mm -hmm. letting the teams do all that stuff. Well, at one point, Bam Adebayo kind of ran towards the half court line where some of the players were pushing each other and shoving and the referee, Curtis Blair kind of wrapped up Bam Adebayo, but Bam kind of shoved him off and pushed him off. He probably... Curtis Blair probably went about five, six feet away from where he was trying to hold Bam Adebayo. Mm-hmm. And it looked like Curtis Blair just basically was like, all right, I give up. If I'm going to get pushed away from the incident, I mean, what can I do? So he kind of threw his hands up, which I don't blame him for because it's like at a certain point, you know, you know, there's only so much you can do. And like I said, the game was over. The Pelicans lost. The only thing that could have come from that after the fact is that Bam Adebayo gets suspended for a game or whatever. And, and actually, coincidentally, the Heat are playing Sacramento tonight. So it actually wouldn't have been, at the end of the day, it wouldn't have been beneficial if he got suspended for this game tonight against the Kings because it's better for 
if the Heat win for the Pelicans so that they can bump Sacramento out of the That's spot that they're in right now. Isn't that funny how so we like, are right now? Like I said, I don't want to be a snitch about this, but yeah. I, and I didn't even see this. Someone showed me the video yesterday before the Pelicans game against the Bulls, and I was like, I can't believe that that happened, and they didn't see it. Now, I also say that from the standpoint that I watched the replay a bunch of times, and I didn't see it either, but there were so many different camera angles and stuff that you couldn't see based on whatever camera angle you saw. Um, I didn't get a good look at the Jose Alvarado, Thomas Bryant incident either. I, in real time, mm-hmm. I saw Thomas Bryant throw a punch at Jose Alvarado and hit him in the head. A few heat fans said to me that Jose threw a punch, but even having watched the replay over and over again, I couldn't really see that either because on a lot of the angles, there's people standing in front of both Jose and Thomas right. Bryant. So you can't see them. So, but it was, it was really an interesting thing. And I think one of the more aggressive altercation confrontations that the Pelicans have been involved with in several years. And and obviously the fallout of that is that you have, you already had Dyson Daniels out and now CJ's out with injury. And then you have two other guys. And I think that really set up a lot of what happened against the bulls, not to make excuses. Cause you got to try to fight a find a way to win games anyways. But I mean, it was, it was a big factor, especially the ball, the lack of ball handling and the lack of a point guard. It's crazy because you start this homestand coming out of the all-star break, you get the win, Jim, and you're feeling like, Hey man, this could continue looking for your mm-hmm. fifth straight feeling win. Was great after the Houston. And win. then in that first mm-hmm. half, CJ, is he, Oh, he's limping. He went out. Oh man, there's an ankle. And, mm-hmm. and then you're like, wow, well, cause he's been relatively healthy this season. And obviously he was shooting well going into you know, the break and even out of the break here as well in terms of overall this season behind the arc and what he's been able to do. And that stinks because Brandon Ingram comes out of the all-star break not feeling well. He was under the weather. Right. So you're, you're starting that game on a Friday night against a team that you already know is going to be pretty good defensively, and two of your top offensive players are not no longer there. Mm-hmm. So that kind of throws a, a wrench into it from that aspect of it. But I talked to you about it um, uh, after the game, too. I, I thought that, or it was Aaron, I, I thought it was one of those games you can learn from from this aspect of it. I liked that the Pelicans showed a little backbone there. I, I like that they kind of met you know, met, mm-hmm. met that up as there because yeah. it felt like a playoff atmosphere, felt like a game like that. And with that coach, with the team that has just been to the NBA Finals, I thought that is one of those learning experience games for real. In other words, I can put that tape up and go, this is probably how we're going to be defended in the postseason. It's also a real-time situational instructional video of seeing, okay, well, what happens if we're in game two against the team and CJ goes out? Okay, this is so you you got to see that. And look, you saw Bam out of Bayou hit some key shots in the fourth quarter. You saw Jimmy go to the line. Okay, we have to play through, stars getting star treatment. Mm-hmm. I just think that was really good. And after the game, a lot of players said it was good for Jordan Hawkins to go through a game like that. It was good for Z to go through a game like that. So I wasn't too upset by that loss from this aspect. I thought you can learn from that. Sure. But we talked about it yesterday in the pregame. I was curious, how do you bounce back against you know the Chicago Bulls after a game like that? And Jim, I was... I was pretty shocked by how I wouldn't even say it's, it wasn't a focused thing, but 19 turnovers is 19 turnovers. And it, it just seemed like 
they weren't ready for what Chicago was doing or mm-hmm. for whatever reason it was, that offense just didn't seem in sync at all. And I get you didn't have some of those players, but I'm still struggling to understand why they looked that lost on the court on the offensive end. You know, honestly, I think I, I tweeted this once or twice. I had a few tweets about the turnovers, but they had in the first quarter, they had several turnovers where it was just trying to make a simple pass. Right. It wasn't because of defensive pressure. And I do think that a lot of that you can attribute to not having a true point guard. You have guys that are kind of masquerading as point guards who are used to handling the ball some, but there's a huge difference between that and doing it the entire game and being the guy at the point of attack that is supposed to be the one that organizes things. And I think Chicago understandably saw some of the mistakes that were happening in the first quarter with basic execution stuff, you're just trying to throw a pass to the sideline to start the play, and it goes off somebody's hand and goes out of bounds. I think Chicago saw that. They might have already had a game plan going in that they were going to amp up the defensive pressure, yeah. play 94 feet, try to get in people's face, even in the b- deep backcourt. But I think after they saw that, they said, let's let's take this to another level. And it felt like as they put applied more and more defensive pressure, and they have guys that can do it with Alex Caruso, and Javon Carter and some of those type of players, it just got even tougher for the Pelicans to, to execute properly and, and limit their turnovers. And we've talked about that, right? Uh, in terms of Alex Caruso being one of those key kind of pests, I like to call him, he was a gnat, right, when he mm-hmm. was at the Lakers. And you, you, you've seen, to an extent, they've almost missed that still, right? Almost like Milwaukee sure. misses Drew Holiday's mm-hmm. presence and, and, yeah. and can bring that. And, you know, you bring up a good point because it's something maybe we can keep a, an eye on here in the next 24 now games where – our team's going to pressure on the wings where you kind of initiate that offense, right? It, it, if fans are listening, you'll see the ball come across the half court line. There'll be a pass left or right around the wing. And that's where a lot of offenses start in basketball, right? Mm-hmm. And from there, it's either a pick and roll. We're going to get to the block or out things of that nature. And I am curious if we're going to start seeing teams, you know, have players put their heels on a three point arc. In other words, start that pressure to your point, before you even get inside the arc and initiate offense and flow? You know, I think one of the big solutions to that, though, from a New Orleans perspective in terms of counteracting that is if teams do that, is simply just having C.J. McCollum come back and Jose coming back from his suspension. Um, Jose still has two more games to serve on his suspension, so he's not going to be playing in the New York game and the Indiana game, the first Indiana game of two this week. We don't know how long C.J. McCollum is going to be out. The injury report for today will be out before 4 p.m. on Monday for the Knicks game. Um, So, I mean, that's an obvious answer to that. Um, But I think, you know, one thing that Brandon Ingram talked about yesterday was, to your point, the Bulls were making the Pelicans start their offense with, like, 12 or 13 seconds on the shot clock. I mean, they were having a hard time getting, you know, into what they were doing at an efficient level. So um, that's part of it. But, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that, you know, if teams try to do that when the Pelicans have their normal guards, I think they'll be able to just dribble by people and, mm-hmm. and penetrate, and they'll say, okay, we can't pick up El- Jose Alvarado 50 feet from the basket because he'll just drive by us and dish it off to somebody, and it'll be layup after layup or open three after open three. But for now, I mean, that is something that I think bears watching in this during this road trip of, you know, if, if CJ isn't able to come back, again, I don't know. He could be back the next game. He, I'm not sure what his timetable is, but that's something that they're going to have to figure out because even with CJ back, they there's going to be minutes where, because Jose's not playing, there's going to be minutes where they're going to have to figure this out and, mm-hmm. and get to the point where the 
they're able to get into their offense and not lose a bunch of possessions because of mistakes. That's what head coach Willie Green said going into it and, and wrapped up his press conference with that, Jim, is that this is the group of guys are going to have to work with here at least mm-hmm. this week, right? When you look at Indiana twice, back home here on Friday. But th- this is this is the, the unit you're going to have because you're not going to get Jose on the road. You're not going to get CJ probably on the road or this week. I don't know. It's right. an ankle injury. Mm-hmm. And as, as crazy as it seems, we're going to get to the West and all that. I need him for April. I need him for March. And it's, and it's February. Yep. So mm-hmm. I can completely understand with them being very cautious. And I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying I, I probably don't put C.J. McCollum up out there until that ankle feels really good. But does it does it get back to the initial point of what we've been talking in so many podcasts and what a lot of Pels fans sort of feel too about? And you mentioned it already about that point guard or having that player when things start to go be, before they go mission critical, Jim, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we saw the Bulls go on that 11-0 run at the end of the third, but you still had an entire fourth quarter right, to go there. Mm-hmm. And even in the seven or eight minute mark of the fourth graph on the broadcast is saying, I don't like the way the Bulls' body language is. Mm-hmm. They look very confident and very good. And Jim, I think that's what it goes down to, right? Where... That's that next step that this team has to take. You're, you're at home. Okay, you gave up the lead, but you still have a quarter to go. Who who takes over there, right? Who's that calming effect doing that? Right. And herein lies the problem, though, Jim. That normally happens when I can go to the free throw line mm. and stop a run. Sure. Right? Instead of an 11-0 run, maybe it's a 9-4 run, 7-2 run. Not saying that you don't like those runs, but I stopped it. I went to the line. Crowd gets back into it. And what I'm referring to is Zion Williamson had two free throws on Sunday. DeMar DeRozan had 10 free throws on Sunday, and he had 10 points in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. One of the things that he did at the end of that game was kind of hit that dagger three from the right corner. Right, which isn't his game, but he, man, he came up with a big one. As a defender, if the guy I'm guarding is going to the line, I have to then respect that even more. It opens that space for him Mm -hmm. to shoot that three. Yeah. Conversely, if I can be physical with a player and he's not going to the line, that also then helps the way I can play defense to Mm -hmm. that. No, that's true. And, And Jim, I wonder how much of that late third Early fourth matters today because Zion even said at the end of the game yesterday in the postgame presser, he had a lot of turnovers there late. And a lot of that maybe is because of the contact or I'm feeling I'm at the play through that contact. In other words, I'm doing I'm having to do other things other than just play. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Could that have affected the game? Yeah. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I think so. And, you know, it's interesting, too, if you go back to Friday's game, they had a six-minute stretch in the fourth quarter where they didn't score. And I think that is, to your point, if you're getting to the free-throw line, you're not going to have these long droughts where you can't get a basket. And that was a killer. I and know then, Miami's really good defensively. But that, that's a great point. I forgot right. that. I mean, it was a mm-hmm. six-minute stretch, eight minutes to eight three minutes. minutes. You're yeah. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They didn't score a bucket, Jim. And I know they're playing very good defense, but... Not, not a not a hand slap, not, right? Not, right, and yeah, then you're right, and then you go to Sunday's game, and like you said, um, Zion was one for two from the free throw line. DeRozan was ten for twelve from the free throw line, so that's a huge difference. And I do think, to some extent, you know, I know this is becoming a a, a worthy conversation piece lately. One of my thoughts on the way that free throws are granted and the way the game is called, it seems like. It's a lot easier at times to get to the free throw line if you're doing some crafty mid-range shooting where you're you're getting you're shooting doing a pump fake and you get the guy off balance and you know there's nobody around there's all this wide open space so the refs can see all of the contact I feel mm-hmm. like that's how DeRozan gets to the line a lot but it's like guys like DeRozan Trey Young I mean players like that that do some some kind of crafty stuff where they're getting guys off balance they're getting them to jump. Those are the guys that are getting to the free throw line these days. The guys that, you know, go aggressively to the basket the way Zion does, um, for whatever reason, it seems like, and I'm not saying that this is fair the way it should be, but it just seems like that's the way the game has gone to where you're more likely to draw a free throw at the three-point line or 30 feet from the basket when you get a guy off balance than you are when you're going to the basket and you might get hit across the arms and they don't see it or you're – going up to the rim and uh, there was a play last night where he, I think he got hit in the face and he didn't get free throws on that. So um, I'm just going to ask it. I, I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't go any longer. Do, yeah. Do you think the Lakers have ever gone six minutes without a bucket? <laughs> without a free throw or a free throw yeah. attempt? Probably I'm not. Just asking. Probably do you, not. Yeah. Do, do you, like when, when I'm thinking to your point, when you think of some of these teams, right, whether it's Anthony Edwards with the T wolves, whether it's, Shay Gilgis Alexander mm. with OKC. Another we are, very crafty guy. Well, we always throws. joke every time mm-hmm. we play them, Shay just went to the free throw line and we haven't played the game yet, right? I mean, like, right. but that that's the thing. I can go up and down the standings in the Western Conference, Jim. Mm-hmm. Jokic, Murray, right? We, I mean, I the Clippers, uh, James Harden has initiated rule changes you know, on yeah. how to draw fouls. Yeah. But when you... When you start looking at all the teams in the Western Conference, they all have a player or two that we can name immediately that goes to the line. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's games where um, 
it just doesn't happen. And if I could explain that, if I could do something about that, I'd be making eight figures. Yeah. And, uh, um, well, speaking of figures, I mentioned in the post game yesterday, I don't know if Mrs. B would like this or not, but I, I just like, I, I said, if I'm Willie, I'm just walking in going, can I just have about 150, 250,000? Cause <laughs> from here on out, for every, fines. <laughs> every single game, I, what is it? Does it increase though? Is it always just 25 K? I think it doesn't seem like it escalates for coaches <laughs> okay. in terms of, um, if you do it repeatedly, okay. I do think it's they're all considered kind of isolated incidents. Okay. But man, you can pile that number up pretty quickly. Well, that's you, what I'm getting at. Can, can I have two fifty? Because yeah. from here on out for the next ten games, I would just I'm going to start the game. I'm going to start the presser, and if he doesn't have more than ten free throws, I'm just like, all right, guys. Uh, before we get to it, this is my this is my <laughs> fine moment. This was uh, blah 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 blah. Here's this play. Here's this play. Go ahead and you know the address already. In my email. Next question. <laughs> just go ahead and just do it. Yeah. Because and I joke in earnest, and obviously that's satire but what else can you do I, I i brought this up yesterday uh, aside from the player taking in his own hands mm-hmm. of being agitated on the court speaking to the official in a certain manner and then all of a sudden though does he get a flagrant does he get a technical does he you know if he gets agitated and throws an elbow and stuff because he's tired of being hit the, the, does he get tossed does he get fined you know and all of a sudden now you lose him so I, it's got to be frustrating from a player standpoint because I don't know how to, I, I can't even really vocally say that to somebody's refs. You'll get teed up. As a coach, there's the fining thing. The league doesn't want you to talk about officiating. But Jim, I don't think there's any coincidence to two home losses you had this week. And I'm not saying that you just lost these games because of that. Right. That's not what we're saying at all. Mm-hmm. You got to make your free throws. You got offensive rebound. And you've got to be able to not have turnovers, right? These are all things, by the way, in the radio roundtable we brought up as key stats mm-hmm. moving forward. That said, you can't go six minutes without a bucket or a free throw call. And you can't have a player of that stature with the style of game that he has have right. two free throws in a game. Mm-hmm. And it came in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. It came in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing, too. I, mean, I was just, crazy. I was just looking this up. I mean, what you said at the end there. I think is very um, fitting for this stat. Zion's 13th in the league in free throw attempts per game at 6.7, but a bunch of guys ahead of him don't play his style in terms of going to the basket. Um, Trey Young is sixth in the league in free throws, doesn't drive a lot. I mean, at his size, you're not going to go all the way to the rim. Uh, Lillard is seventh in free throws, kind of the same thing. DeRozan's eighth. Right. John Morant's 10th. He's a little bit more of that type of player in terms of he puts his head down and gets to the rim. Devin Booker's 11th. Um, There's so many examples of these guys where they're not bigs. I mean, who's first, by the way? Embiid is number one. Okay. Giannis is number two. To me, that makes sense. Those guys are getting getting. from the free throw line (laughs) down. So, yeah. It's it is interesting. And what's Zion? Thirteenth. Thirteenth. Okay. Right. So by the go. way, that and one that he had came when it was ninety nine one oh three. It's a lot of game that's already been played. Right. Yeah. Think I about it. I didn't ninety nine one oh three, and the final score was one one fourteen one oh six. It was that late in the fourth quarter that Zion finally went to the free throw line for an and one. Like just think about that. It's kind of hard to believe. I, you know, one of the comparisons I make sometimes, even though it's not a perfect analogy, refing him is a little bit like refing um, Shaq, where you have to figure out. Yep. It's almost like sometimes you have to figure out because of the physicality and because of the size of the player. It's almost like people ref on a curve sometimes. It's like, 
well, he's dishing out a little bit more physical contact than most offensive players. So we're gonna get we're not gonna give him as many fouls on the opposite side right. based on the physicality. But um, it does seem like it's been kind of an extreme lately, where it's like he's getting hit across the arms and he's you know getting um, hit, like I said hit in the in the head at one point yesterday and not getting the free throws. So. Something we're going to have to keep monitoring. And to to your point earlier about what you said in terms of how they should or he should react to it, I feel like for the most part he's doing what he what he should do and what is something what you would advise him to do, which is to try to keep your cool as right. much as possible. Even if you get hit across the arm and you don't get a foul and you fall on the floor, you got to just get up and run back on defense because you want to make sure that you don't exacerbate the issue of, okay, now they made it, they missed a call and now it's five on four going the other way. Um, and from a team standpoint too, you can complain to the refs all you want, but that, if you can't do it while the play is happening, you can't let it snowball and make things worse. And I'm not saying that that's what's happened, but I mean, there is a human nature element too, to it as well, where you get frustrated and it affects the way you, that you play somehow, some way you got to make sure that that doesn't happen. Speak with Jim Eikenoff for Pelicans.com. Gus Kattengill with you here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. And some way, somehow, you, you have to move on from that. And it's a quick turnaround. I know the guys are meeting here at 11 a.m. for practice. And then it's on an airplane to New York to take on a pretty good Knicks team as we take a look at where they are. They are fourth in the Eastern Conference. 11 mm-hmm. games back of first place Boston. But right now, they'd be hosting a first-round playoff. Jalen Brunson's the first name that pops in my head, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that guy... I would say he's an MVP candidate because of what he's done this season for New York and really what he's turned him into. He's such a good example, too, of something I say about several Pelicans players, including Herb Jones, where it's like Jalen Brunson, every step of his career has been able to disprove people who've said like, okay, well, he's only a backup guard. He's only going to be a backup. Oh, he's only going to be a decent starter. Oh, well, he made the all-star game once, but he, you know, he probably won't do it again. Uh, You know, all of these, he's not a, he's not really a legitimate number one option on a good team. All of these things that people have said about him have been proven incorrect. So I'm, I'm so impressed by the season that he's had and the way that he's been able to elevate the Knicks to where they are. Now, it did seem like a couple of weeks ago that the Knicks might have been on their way to maybe the even the two seed in the East, but um, similar to the Pelicans lately and uh, various other teams across the NBA, injuries have really hit them very hard. OG Ananobi was making an incredible impact for them after the trade. Mm-hmm. Julius Randle's having another year where, you know, he's this their second option and a huge reason why they win games. Uh, both of those guys have been out lately. They've been starting Josh Hart, Precious Achua, Isaiah Hartenstein, who's filling in. I know a lot of local people know about Mitchell Robinson. Um, they have various guys that are out of the lineup right now. So they've definitely dropped off in the last couple of weeks. Um, by the way, too, this is a back-to-back for them. They're playing at home against Detroit tonight, so I'm sure from a Knicks perspective, they're hoping that they can go up by a big margin and rest guys. Yeah. But this will be the second game in two nights for New York, so I'll, I'll be curious to see if the Pelicans can take advantage of that. Although, as we detailed earlier, New Orleans has their own list of things that they have to be concerned yeah. about in terms of players not available. I, I sort of feel like the NBA has given it to the, the whole league. It's not just the Pels, five games in seven days, two back-to-backs. Jim, there are a lot of teams playing back-to-back. I think everyone's doing this. I mm-hmm. And I'm being serious. I, I feel like every single day I click on the scoreboard, 
wait a minute, didn't they just play last night? Mm-hmm. Or or they're playing again tonight. I, I I haven't looked at all those teams, but from the Lakers to the Matt, I feel like the Suns have played four or five mm-hmm. games in the same time stretch that the Pels have. I've noticed that as well. I think my theory, and this is not after detailed research or anything, I think the way that the league does the back-to-backs in m- most seasons is you get a lot of them in November, December, like earlier in the season before the fatigue has really kicked in. Mm-hmm. And then right after the All-Star break, there's usually a bunch because – Teams have had this stretch of seven, eight days in a row where they haven't played any games. And then you jump right back in with the Thursday, Friday. There was a ton of teams that played both on Thursday and Friday. So that was part of it as well. And I think that's – now there's a certain – there's like a finite number of back-to-backs that every team has to play. There's no way to get it under a certain number based on details that are too boring for me to list here. Uh But – I think the league does try to get almost all the vast majority of the back-to-backs they try to get out of the way before you get into April because they don't want teams going into the playoffs coming off a bunch of those. So I think that's what we're seeing right now is that you're going to you might have a little bit more back-to-backs here over this next stretch of a few weeks but then that'll be it as you get into the right. tail end of the season they'll they'll start to dry up to where they're either non-existent or you might have one or two. Here or there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to take a look at. And then you got the Pacers coming up the very next day on a back-to-back, like you mentioned there on Wednesday. And um, they're 33-25. and 25. They were really a story early on in the season, playing well, going to that play-in. They, they they got, I don't know, some guy named Tyrese Halliburton. It's uh, incredible, right, when you look at him. Yeah, they, uh, they've another team that's been really impressive. I don't know how many people going into the season said that they're going to be the sixth-best team in the East, the way they are right now, they're a game ahead of Miami. So they are another example, too, of um, they, they seem like the ultimate epitome this season of the way the league is going to an extreme where they have one of the best offenses in the league, if not the best, but they also have a bottom two or three defense, which has been the case pretty much the whole year. So, But, uh, I mean, when they're when they're at their best, they're a very difficult team. They ended Dallas's long winning streak yesterday, 133 to 111. So um, they can put up some big points. They've won three games in a row, have a lot of guys, kind of up-and-coming players as well. So that'll be an interesting, fun matchup, I think, and something I'm sure that we'll get into more specifically on Wednesday and then Friday as well, that we uh, have the very odd occurrence of two games in a row against the same team from the other conference, which will be taking place for the Pelicans. So to the Western Conference, we will uh, take a look at that and also, of course, look at um, that weekend showdown you like to do. We'll do that right after this quick break. All right, Jim, to uh, wrap up the weekend, you, you had a couple of games you wanted to look at, and how did they go? Yeah, so the the weekend showdown that I picked from Friday was the Suns versus Lakers game, and the Suns were able to uh, to win that one. It was kind of a back-and-forth Roller coaster type game. Suns won 123 to 113 on Sunday afternoon in the ABC game. So that actually pushed Phoenix ahead slightly of the Pelicans. They're both both teams are 34 and 24, but as we know, Phoenix has the tiebreaker based on a 1-0 season series lead. And for the Lakers, that loss puts them three and a half games behind the Pelicans. So Lakers are ninth place. And so what we all know on the show what that means. That means that the Pelicans are three and a half games ahead of the play in danger zone. So interesting game. Um, I think one thing that's people are really monitoring right now too, in terms of the Lakers is they're actually only a half game ahead of the Warriors now. So based on the way that the Warriors have played recently, 
where they've won eight out of their last 10 games. Golden State is on the verge of surpassing L.A. as well, which, you know, you, you might say, why does that matter that much? But, I mean, both teams are in position right now to be in the 9-10 play-in game. Obviously, one of them is going to host it. So whoever finishes in ninth gets to have that game at home. And if it does come down to that, I think we're going to see one of the most epic play-in games that we've seen since this format was introduced to the NBA. Now, Golden State did play the Lakers in a play-in game a few years ago, but big difference. It was 7-8 play-in game, so the loser of that game didn't have their season end. Um, The Warriors ended up losing that game and then did lose to Memphis in the next um, play-in round and got bounced from the postseason. Um, But this will be, you know, winner advances, loser goes home. So I think... You know, there's a lot of time left in the season and things could change, but I think that would be something that a lot of people would look forward to. So interesting uh, developments on the weekend, and it's it's funny just to look at how tight it is right now that you have Sacramento, Phoenix, and New Orleans are all exactly 10 games over 500, and then you have Dallas at nine <laughs> games over 500. So the five through eight could be a real uh, grudge match, and right now the fact that there's a half game between fifth place Sacramento and eighth place Dallas is really fun. And it's going to make for a lot of scoreboard watching, which was the case Sunday was a great day of, of just being able to watch basketball and just follow everything around the league. And that's the thing. And it's what we talked about. And again, we not to say we pat ourselves on the back, but that's what we've been saying on this podcast here. We, we kind of saw this coming um, towards the end of January, really, where it, it looked like there was separation between one and four, and then it was going to be a four-team battle for spots five through eight. And, and that's mm-hmm. where you are, right? Because you, you just don't want to be nine or ten. But it's crazy, Jim. It's only a four-game difference. It's a four-game difference from being fifth and tenth. Right. Sacramento mm-hmm. is six and a half back. Mm-hmm. Golden State, who's tenth currently, is ten and a half back. You go on a losing streak here, you literally could be playing in a play-in win or go home play-in game. I mean, it's right. That's I mean, it, you cannot go on long losing mm-hmm. streaks, which is why tomorrow night's game and Wednesday's game against the Knicks and the Pacers, these are massive. You cannot go on a four-game losing streak, Jim. You just can't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you you don't want to be in a position where you're margin of error is is decreasing rapidly so yeah I, I agree i mean they're they're gonna have to figure out a way to to change the outcomes of the weekend and and just do a lot better in terms of getting into the offense and reducing turnovers and you know n- not easy with these two teams that they have coming up um it would be challenging either way with the knicks i mean the fact that they have some guys out i do think that it's chipped away at how dangerous the Knicks are at least until they get some of those players back they're four and six in their last 10 games so but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the Pelicans do and I feel like under any circumstances even when the Knicks aren't a great team the Pelicans have had trouble in Madison Square Garden I remember being there for some of the bitter frustrating losses that the team in the previous decade had when they played the Knicks there so looking forward to this game on Tuesday night as well as the game Wednesday to see how they do on this uh, quick two-game road trip yeah. All right, Jim, and finally, we'll wrap it up with our player to watch, and who is that to keep an eye on this week? That's going to be Jordan Hawkins, and part of the reason why I pick him as the player to watch, not necessarily related to the teams that they're playing against, but just the fact that he's had three games in a row where he's played 15-plus minutes, and he had some stretches earlier in the season where that was the case where he had multiple games in a row where he played significant minutes, but right before this three-game stretch coming out of the All-Star break, 
he had two DMPs, I, I, which I had actually totally forgotten that at Memphis in the home win against Washington, he didn't play at all. So now he's getting the opportunity to be on the court to a much greater degree. And I'm curious to see how he does. You know, we, we, we mentioned earlier, we don't know CJ's status. We know Jose Alvarado is not going to play these next two games because of suspension. So you would think that he will, that Jordan Hawkins will continue to get opportunities to play. And I mean, it's right there for him to be able to just continue to shoot the ball well and uh, make contributions. You know, one thing I was going to mention too, not the player to watch, but just a side note, um, really good performance by Matt Ryan uh, last night with 14 points. Um, first time that he's played in been like in the thick of the rotation since November 18th when he was hurt against Minnesota um, over three months ago. So, but another example of the playing time dilemma that Willie Green has that, I mean, he played so well in his first opportunity to get on the court and you, you, you see him have a game like that and you, you want to say for him individually, you want to see him get more opportunities, but right. nothing is, you can't really guarantee anything with how many players that they have, especially, you know, you got Najee coming back from his suspension on Tuesday and you have other guys that hopefully be back in the lineup as well. So, but anyways, tip of the cap to Matt Ryan for playing the way that he did and just providing the shooting that they really needed. No doubt that is for sure. We'll see what takes place. We see you back again on Wednesday. We'll have the recap of the Knicks games and preview the first of two straights against the Pacers, one there and one here. It's always a pleasure, Jim. Likewise, Gus. Yep, give Jim a follower there, Jim underscore Eichenhofer, and read all of the stuff that he writes on Pelicans.com. So we'll see you again on Wednesday right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Join us three times per week on Pelicans.com, the Pelicans mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, or where you get your podcast. And be sure to give Jim and Gus a follow on X at Jim underscore Eichenhofer and GCAT underscore 17. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Pelicans podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.